and a very good morning to you. It's Saturday, five minutes after nine o'clock, which means it's the Garden Show here on Midwest Radio with Pori Cork and join us in studio. Pori, how are you? Good morning, James. Good morning, James. How are you? Not we too be- bad. We better say hello to Deirdre. I know she's not in the garden today. She's studying today. So we're missing missing her off the programme. She's studying for exams. So say hello to Deirdre. Deirdre. And if you can, Deirdre, get out into the garden for a bit of, a bit of gardening therapy as well. <laughs> Take a, a break from the books. Yeah, so, but it's great. Maybank holiday. It's a busy time in the garden. Yeah, there's some good advice for Deirdre there to start off the programme. Exactly, anyway. exactly. But a busy week for you this week, Park. Is, is there gardening classes starting this week? We started them. We started them on Wednesday night. Great, uh, great response to them. We had a um, full full capacity. And it's interesting, you know, people are, are itching to get back into the garden. Uh, lots of questions, a whole range, a platter of questions. So we started the gardening classes last uh, Wednesday night. Um, uh, uh, mainly beginners. Uh, a lot of beginners, yeah. actually, which was great. And uh, very enthusiastic. So they're putting a lot of that good work and I, I presume a lot of them are listening in today as well so hello to them so yeah busy busy week we started a four week series of the gardening classes um, and they'll run now till till the end of May Is it one night a week or It's one night it's every Wednesday night uh, in Hawkins they're fully booked now at the moment yeah. so um, but yeah very positive and it's good to see people people are itching to get into the garden because really it's been such a a poor start to the gardening season mm. um, and, and lots of questions on moss and vegetables and rhubarb and all the, the, the general questions um, so yeah they've started very well yeah and uh, was it last weekend you had the uh, hanging basket hanging thing. basket yeah. again you know and again we're coming into that time of year and if people should be thinking about that putting colour into their baskets and containers now uh, for the summer period now is the time to get that early start on doing up hanging baskets window boxes containers so yeah again very busy Saturday Sunday people are in to see the demo and we showed people the plants to use the type of containers to use to mm. get really good colour for the summer uh, so that went down very well and we're really into that time of year James where people are thinking about June, July August providing colour um, and, and you have to start now start early Yeah unfortunately we're not getting the weather to st- uh, really No well, we're summer. not we're, we're not it's not been too bad funny enough now I mean even this week I, I did some more planting myself in the veg garden it's actually good planting weather because the soil okay we had a tremendous amount of rain yesterday yeah. but apart from that right through the week the soil conditions were reasonably good and you know that, that rain yesterday will drain away in very quickly we're promised temperatures increase in temperatures which is really what we want we want that significant growth now to start and uh, you know the, the moisture levels that are there they're going to drain away very quickly over the next couple of days because we're, we're into a dry week now the next seven days to ten days is going to be particularly dry um, some showers but but mainly dry so soil conditions for planting is actually very good and I spend quite a, t- a bit of time planting potatoes vegetable plants and ge- general herbs and those plants are available now for planting the one little tip to keep an eye on are the slugs and I see we have a couple of questions in yeah. already uh, on the slugs uh, because again with this mild wet weather they're going to be taking advantage of any young plants any seedlings or any vegetable plants so do keep an eye on those just for the first couple of weeks until plants become established because a lot of damage can be done even with, in one night so it's we're really at that time of year I mean lawns again you know to kind of give people a, a couple of things that they could be doing over the weekend okay lawns in particular is an area that I would focus on because the lawns are full of moss still and anyway that hasn't treated their, their lawn there's lots of moss there there's lots of weeds there and that weeds in particular are going to respond to the very mild wet weather that we're having so you're seeing lots of dandelions flowering along the roadways in lawns the daisies are beginning to come to the fore clickweed um, dandelions uh, creeping thistle all of those weeds are going to just burst into growth now. So my advice is if you haven't cut the lawn this year, get out there, get it trimmed, get it tidied, do some week 
weed control and also some moss control and put on that Osmo moss remover. People are having a great response to that, finding it very good. Not only does it kill the moss, but actually greens the lawn as well. And when you get this bit of moisture and a little bit of heat as well, growth, the, the, the lawn will respond very quickly to a bit of nutrition. So I would focus on the lawn at this time, this weekend in particular. And indeed, okay. it's a good time if you're thinking of repairing an, uh, a bit of grass that might have been damaged, where moss may, may have been a problem or dogs fouling the area, whatever. If you're repairing grass, it's a good time of year. You're getting the temperatures now for the seed to germinate. And also it's a good time of year to put in new lawns. So if mm. listeners are thinking about the new house or they want to extend a lawn area, it's a this sort of temperatures is ideal. It's ideal really for planting, sowing, the sowing of seed, the sowing of plants. Um, plants are just going to burst into growth and seeds will germinate very quickly at this time of the year. So there'll be a couple of things and of course we talked about the baskets and putting colour into the yeah. garden because lots of gardens are devoid of colour because people haven't been gardening back in March and April. So putting in things like violas, summer pansies, um, the, all those plants are coming into flower now. So there's lots of instant colour that you can get into the garden that will do very well now with the temperatures and the and the moisture in the soil. Well, like I said, Porrick, at the start of the programme... I'm making your job yeah, easy, aren't I? You kind of are now at this stage, because I'm not, uh, I'm not a, a big gardener, but like I said, by the, I've uh, pale fingers, but maybe yeah. by the, the end of the hour, they could we'll be... We'll green them up. We'll I could be one up. of these beginners that could turn pro, yeah. Exactly. Well, it has to start somewhere. It has to start somewhere. You're no at the better, right time of year. No better place it. to start here in the, the gardening show Absolutely. The other thing that we... we lots of questions to on hedging, um, James. Yeah. So again, through the gardening class and also just from questions coming in, general lots of people looking to uh, either kind of replace hedges take out old dead hedges and hedges in general have had a tough time over the last mm. couple of weeks with the, with the cool weather have you a couple of questions in yeah, on I have it? a couple in now right. uh, 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 can you ask Pork the difference between the ordinary green laurel and the uh, Portuguese laurel I want a hedge uh, to grow to about five feet and keep its leaves in winter something easy yeah well they're, they're two excellent plants the, the common laurel is um, it's quite a vigorous hedging plant. It'll grow anything up yeah. to 8, 10, 12 feet, often up to 15 feet if you la- allow it. So if you want to hedge around the 5 foot mark, I would go for something less vigorous. And Portuguese laurel fits that bill actually very well. So I suppose the difference is they're both evergreen. They're both, both very dense, full hedges. But the Portuguese laurel is suitable for hedges, say, up to 6, 7 feet. So for smaller or more medium-sized hedges, put in the Portuguese laurel. It's slower growing. That's not a disadvantage because it means it needs less trimming in the long okay. term. Makes a beautiful hedge, very dark green leaf, red stem, and it retains the leaf 12 months of the year. So for a 5-foot hedge, I would opt for the Portuguese laurel. The common laurel will give you a five-foot hedge quicker, but the problem is it doesn't stop growing and it will need a lot more maintenance and trimming to keep it at that five or six-foot mark. So anything up to six, seven feet, choose the Portuguese laurel and anything taller, the common laurel would be... um, a better choice okay. and be more vigorous. It's a good time to plant them as well. And for listeners that have laurel in the garden, it's very yellow. It's actually very hungry at the moment. My advice, again, with the wet weather we've had, is to put on some of that Osmo Pro 6. Give it a feed at this time of year um, and it'll respond to that very quickly and that yellowing will go out of plants very rapidly. So a handful of the Osmo Pro 6 just around the base of the plant, it'll wash in. Within a week to 10 days, you'll see the results of it and the plant will be lovely and green again. Okay, some good advice for that listener this morning, Park. Uh, also, my son loves green French beans. Oh, lovely, yeah, yeah. Uh, can, can you tell me how to grow them? Uh, is it from seed or plants and where to plant them? Well, the plants, the plants are available at this 
this time of year, as indeed the plants for all vegetable yeah. plants, the cauliflowers and broccoli. Um, so a good a good tip is to actually plant a little bit of each. Um, and generally for vegetable plants, that's the, the standard recommendation is put some plants in, put some seed in at the same time. So you've got the, the French beans coming mm. over a longer period. Now, the one thing I would just um, advise is that the French beans can be frost sensitive. So uh, planting them out, if you, if you are planting them out, cover them with fleece if frost is promised on any night. Um, but the seed can be sown indoors on a windowsill and great for children because French bean seed is actually quite large. It's quite mm. visible, yeah. very large, very big. Sow it in a seed tray and moist compost, covered with cling film. The French beans will germinate within about a two-week, ten-day to two-week period and they can pl- plant it safely out of doors from the first from the first week of June onwards. Or if you've got a, a tunnel or a greenhouse, the dwarf French beans are brilliant in those areas because they stay quite short and compact but give you lots of French beans then right through the growing season. So great for children to get into and um, very productive. They're the t- type of vegetable that you keep picking. So once mm. the beans start to form, if you crop them on a regular basis, the plant produces fresh new shoots and new um, beans right through yeah. the summer period. So you get that continuous, continuous picking yeah. right through the season. But do sow them. Successive sowings, maybe every four to six weeks, will give you French beans right through to September, October. And they freeze very well. If you're not using them, you know, you can actually just take them off the plant, blanch them, stick them in the freezer for the winter and then use them any time over the winter or spring of next year. Great, that could be something now I could start to there do. There you go, that's an easy <laughs> that, one That'll for start you. me off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another listener says, I have the soil ready to uh, sow a new lawn. Okay. I want a hard-wearing but rich green colour, something the kids can play on. Uh, is an, play on. Is there a special type I should go for? And what about fer- fertiliser? Yeah, well, again, as I said at the top of the programme, it's, it's a very good time to put in lawn seed. Lawn seed germinates anything above 10 degrees Celsius, and we're into that sort of period now. So by sowing lawns now, they'll germinate within a two to three week period, and you'll have an excellent lawn by August, September of this year. Uh, certainly by late June, early July, you can allow the children to start playing on it. You'll start the first mowing of the, of the lawn, and by autumn, the lawn will be very well established. So a very, very good time to sow a lawn. Lawn seed is like, tea leaves. It's like buying different blends of tea, the Lion's Red label or the Lion's Green (laughs) label or whatever. Lawn seed is exactly the same way. It's a mixture of different seeds that are put together for specific purposes. So there are lawn seed mixes for shaded areas, for dry areas, for exposed areas. You can get a lawn mix for the uh, teeing green, you know, for the putting green. Um, Mm. So there's a whole range of different seed mixes. But for where you've got children, pets, general hard-wearing lawn that's not going to grow too vigorous, go for a variety called green velvet. So green velvet is a mixture of of four different seeds mixes. Mm. Predominantly creeping grasses, so they stay low and they creep. And um, predominantly dwarf grasses as well, so they're not going to be vigorous. So they're different to, say, uh, agricultural uh, seed where, where you want vigour and growth the ve- green velvet lawn seed is predominantly creeping or dwarf seed grass seed mixes so you'll get a very very good lawn very hard wearing lawn as well but also a lawn that won't need a lot of trimming so okay. green velvet for me would be a very good choice um, and a great time to put it on in, in, in relation to the fertiliser yes it is advisable to put fertiliser on before you sow the seed that's important um, because putting fertiliser on afterwards the grass is very soft and you can do some damage so again I would put on uh, a good general purpose lawn fertiliser one without moss killer or weed killer just a straight lawn uh, fertilizer or something like the Osmo Pro 6 yeah. I mentioned before would be ideal to put in just before you sow the seed. So you can do it literally an hour before you put on the seed, put in the fertilizer, put on the seed, rake the two in and you'll 
you'll see the germination occurring then over a 10 to 12, 14 day period. Okay, uh, I suppose it's the time of year for it. I tried a couple of tomato plants last year uh, in grow bags, but okay. I did not have uh, much success. Poor growth and little fruit. Uh, can you please discuss the best type and way to grow? Well, uh, grow, the, the, the difficulty with grow bags, grow bags are those long, thin bags of compost that, that are uh, typically used for and, and used commercially I suppose for the growing of tomatoes. The problem with them are is that they dry out so quickly mm. and with the best will in the world particularly as plants start to grow and as they're producing flowers and fruit in July and August, a couple of dries dries out the, the grow bag. So I would advise the grow bags, to be honest, and use containers instead. Something, use something deeper, something with a good foot or 10, 15 inches of compost uh, in depth. Uh, so you're looking for a pot that might be a foot in diameter, 18 inches in diameter, by about a foot deep for each tomato plant. So give it that sort of space. A, it'll make the job an awful lot easier for watering and maintaining it. And you're also giving the plant far more of a root run and you tend to get a better tomato plant and a longer fruiting period. So first of all I would recommend doing them in in tubs or containers or if you've got soil in the garden in the greenhouse or tunnel you can plant them into that as long as you enrich it well with plenty of compost. The other tip is to look for uh, grafted tomatoes in particular. So grafted tomatoes are varieties that have been grafted onto a different rootstock. They tend to be more vigorous, very very reliable uh, and produce huge trusses of great tasting tomatoes during the summer months and they're available both in the cherry type tomato, tomato, the real small cherry tomato or the full size tomato and they're available in garden centres at the moment. They're a good vigorous variety. They're actually the varieties that are used commercially. So you grow them in tubs Okay. and the, the, the other key tip is to look for the grafted varieties particularly if you're new to growing tomatoes. You'll find them very, very vigorous, very, very easy to grow. The other key tip then is feed them well so particularly once the first flower starts to come on them or the first flower starts to set its fruit, when the fruit are about the size of a pea on the very first truss or the first flower, that's the trigger to start feeding tomatoes. And you feed every two weeks with a good high potash feed, like a tomato feed. And the, the last tip is watering. So, yeah. you know, I'm, even with the poor summers, tomato plants do dry out. And particularly when they're forming fruit uh, in July, August, September, they need copious amounts of water. So yeah. they need, need to be watered nearly every second or third day to keep them really moist, to keep the fruit swelling properly. And as long as those couple of steps are taken, they're, James, they're very, very easy to grow and so well work Keep them well watered. Well watered, give them the room initially, go for the graft of varieties. Feeding is important every two weeks, but the watering is the secret to really keeping the plants flourishing well. Okay, now another listener says they have uh, a lot of newspapers and general kitchen waste. Okay, yeah. I want to know, how do you start composting and when would it be ready to use? Yeah, well, and again, when you're you're making your own compost at home, you want to go for a whole variety of material. Don't use all the one thing. So if you just use grass clippings, you end up with a very slimy silage type material, which is not that useful for, for, for plants in general. So the listener is dead right. Newspapers make great compost, eggshells, mm. general clippings from the lawn areas. Weed, young weeds, as long as there's no seeds on them or no, or no root, so you don't put a dandelion or a dock in, but any yeah. of the light weeds that you'll scuffle up in the garden can be certainly used. General leaf matter around the garden dead leaves, that sort of material is ideal. Um, kitchen waste in terms of vegetable peelings, potato peelings, all of that is ideal. I suppose the one rule of thumb is none 
any any cook food don't use cook food in your compost bin apart from that okay. you want a good blend of different mixes and you you make it up in layers so you put in a, a layer of grass you can put an activator then what we call garage or a compost maker a small shake of that between each layer Sh- some shredded newspaper some of the eggshells some of the tea leaves coffee granules anything like that that will decompose can be used in the compost mix and the more of a mix the better compost you get. It will take generally, depending on the type of, of composter you have, um, you know, I would advise putting into some sort of uh, facility, some sort of bin, compost bin mm. or a tumbler bin that will help to accelerate and break down the compost quicker. So some, some a unit that will keep the heavy rain off the decomposting material. Putting compost together now, it'll be ready for use in the autumn, this coming autumn. So gathering the material now, you'll be looking really at September, October, November sort of period when the compost will be actually usable. And you'll know when it's usable because it'll be in that crumb, clay, compost type. Uh, It'll have decomposed right down to that. So great time to start. Do use a whole variety of materials from both the kitchen and the garden. Uh, And it's a great way of getting rid of general waste anyway because you're decomposting it. You're using it back in the garden again over the autumn, winter period. So compost you make now is ready in the autumn. Compost you make in late summer, early autumn will be ready for the spring. And remember to use the activator, that compost activator. You'll get it in your local garden centre. It's either a liquid or a granule. And that's important because it gets the bacteria going, the natural bacteria is actually gobbling up that compost yeah. and breaking that material and breaking it down into compost. So that's very important to add some of that. Okay, you speak of autumn there. There's a, a final mm-hmm. question before we go for an ad break, I'd say. We're yeah. not jumping to autumn already, are we? <laughs> <laughs> Look, a listener says, uh, my turnips general are ho- hollow or rotten in the centre okay. when I lift them in autumn. Yeah. What's the problem and how can they cure well, it? Well, that's that's uh, boasting or um, hollowing of, of turnips and the trouble is that they look perfect. You sow the seed mm. at this time of year, the turnips grow perfectly perfectly okay. You lift them in the autumn, cut them in the middle and they're boast. So they're either uh, decaying in the centre or boast the hollow left or dry matter. It's and it's a very simple thing to solve um, but very annoying for people because they've gone to all the work of growing them yeah. and yet to harvest them then in the autumn and have this boast and it makes the, the turnips unusable. The, the item that you're missing in the soil, soil is boron. So it's a mineral, it's a micro mineral um, that's missing from the soil that turnips require or suede require in the soil. You can simply add it by adding Vitex Q4 when you're okay. sowing the seed or sowing the plants, the, the, the young turnips. So when you're sowing the seed, incorporate the Vitex Q4 into the soil when sowing and repeat it then in the end of June, early July as the turnips are actually growing and swelling. So it's a boron deficiency. It's very, very easy to, to cure it. But if boron is missing from the soil, then every year you're going to get the same problem uh, occurring, that boasting of, mm. of turnips. So it's a very common problem, very annoying after doing all that good work. And you need to start now when you're sowing the seed of turnips or suede, put the Vitex Q4 in now and repeat then in, in uh, midsummer and maybe towards uh, later summer, even August, you give it a third application. The Vitex will not just feed the plant, it, it, it feeds and nourishes the turnips on, yeah. but also replaces that important boron deficiency. Okay, right, Porik, we're going to take a break now in a sec. But I was, I was going to say, I was going to ask you, um, uh, where are the, are the flowers for me today? Well, I <laughs> I only bring those to Deirdre. <laughs> Although I brought I'm a rhubarb, I brought a rhubarb last week. So, 
Look, at the next time you're on the show, we'll bring a we'll bring a clatter of plants in. I, I'll remind you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you want to get your um, your questions into uh, Porrick, uh, you can send us a text on 087-900-4141. With thanks to CNC Cellular, we're switching our landlines to Vodafone is easy at any of their nine stores across the region. 0818-3055 will get you through to Teresa on her phone. And, uh, of course, you can send us an email as well at, to studio at midwestradio.ie. We're back after this quick break. you're very welcome back following the commercial break it's 28, uh, 27 minutes now past the hour of 9 o'clock on this uh, Saturday morning the 4th of uh, May generally a, a pretty good morning Oh yeah it's lovely out there at the moment oh. the temperatures are ideal and, and we are promised some, some dry weather mm. over the next coming weeks so yeah it's, it's great gardening weather James anything no was, excuses Anything was uh, far better than yesterday <laughs> Yeah anyway. that's for sure that's uh, for sure Okay back to the questions Porrick I, th- I think I, I've, I said this one off air I didn't pick up the pronunciation right anyway I have a, a camellia um, camellia plant is it? Camellia Camellia, camellia. camellia plant You're nearly there yeah uh, camellia As inside plant in the porch Okay Do they die this time of year uh, the leaves are brown and falling off? No I mean the camellia first of all is a beautiful plant it comes into flower late February early March it's actually mm. an outdoor plant um, and you know it can, it's a plant that can be grown in the garden and flowers very early in the spring big rose like flowers they're actually still in bloom in many gardens at the mm. moment it's an evergreen plant so it shouldn't be losing its leaves okay. and um, I would you know just um, it sounds like the listener has allowed that plant to dry out it, it may be the pot may be too small for it um, but it's certainly the, the crinkling of the leaves the browning of the leaves are an indication the plant has dried out at some period over the winter period and particularly as they come into flower as they come into February, March, April period they need lots more water because like I was saying with the tomatoes fl- plants when they flower they use copious amounts of water mm. they're really absorbing a huge amount of, of moisture into the flowers and you'll always see you know the difference between a plant that's just green foliage and when it comes into bloom it's taking up about twice as much water so it's very important we camellias to uh, particularly at this time of year if they're indoors if you have them in a porch or a conservatory to keep them very very moist and you're probably looking at watering weekly depending on the size of the container it's in my advice really is to look maybe for to plant this out into the garden somewhere take it out of its pot they are lime hating plants camellias yeah. so they're like a, a free draining um, lime free soil so get yourself a couple of bags of ericaceous compost and some rhododendron fertiliser mix it together get a nice reasonably sheltered area in the garden now camellias will take partial shade um, you know, so it can be a kind of a shaded area if you wish, or it can be full sun as well, and plant it out into that part of the garden. So somewhere sheltered, somewhere reasonably bright. Prepare the soil well by adding the ericaceous compost and rhododendron food to to the plant, and uh, it should kick back into growth. Those brown leaves, you can take those off, and you'll get some fresh growth, and that plant will, will come back into growth over the summer period, and hopefully give you some colour. And keep it well spring. watered, is it? Well. Well, once it's planted out of doors, it'll be perfectly fine because there's plenty of moisture there at the moment. But where you have camellias in pots, under maybe in a conservatory, in a protected area, naturally enough, as they're coming into flower, they dry out very quickly. And, you know, we think it's raining outside. We're not really thinking about the plants, how quickly they dry out inside, indoors. So it can be missed. And if you miss it a couple of times with the watering, you get that browning um, and distortion of the leaves. But I, I really would put it outdoors, to be honest, for the rest of the year. Even if you just moved it on into a bigger pot mm. and left it out of doors and let the natural rain get at it and it'll come back into growth again. The other tri- tick or, or tip 
porridge. The other tip for camellias is to feed them well after flowering. So when they go out to flower in May, early June period, so in four or five weeks time, that's the time to actually start feeding the plants like camellias, rhododendrons, azaleas, those plants that flower in the springtime, you mm. feed them immediately after flowering. So get yourself a little bit of the rhododendron feed or a good camellia feed and feed that plant right through the growing season because that brings on the flower buds for next year. Okay. Uh, Phil says, I have a number of yellow dandelions growing up through uh, a mat of ground cover plants. Okay. If I pull them, the root stays behind. That's Anything true. Anything you would suggest? Yeah, well, that's the difficulty with dandelions and docks uh, where you've got that very strong taproot. If you go to try and pull them up, you tend to leave part or portion of the root behind and of course it just sprouts up again. Mm. And where dandelions or docks are growing through other plants, obviously it's very difficult. You can't just spray that area because you'll damage the plants. What I would use is the Roundup gel. So it's a gel material. It's a weed killer like hair gel. It's very simply just spread onto the leaf of the dandelion. Mm. So put on a rubber glove, go out with a little bit of the rhododendron or the Roundup gel, a little container and just wipe the leaf of the weed that'll be absorbed down into the root and kill the dandelions off very quickly. So you can just spot treat it um, and that will make sure that the ground cover plants aren't affected but the, the dandelion will die away. So simply rubber glove, a little bit of the... Get the gloves out. Get the gloves out, yeah. the Roundup gel onto the foliage of the weeds and that'll kill it within two weeks. Okay, uh, my apple trees are covered in flower buds. Yeah, everywhere. Uh, They're flowering really, really well. Really yeah. well. Will they need some food and uh, do I need to do anything else with them? Yeah, no harm to feed them by all means. And, you know, I'm, I, I think I said it to Deirdre a couple of weeks back, plants in particular, spring cherries, uh, apples, um, plum trees, many of the, fr- the spring, early summer flowering plants are actually fl- going to flower very heavily this year. So it's certainly teeing up as a very good year for fruit. And I see blackcurrants mm. and gooseberries in particular are covered in flowers at the moment. Um, so it's going to be a very good good year for that. The, if, if the flowers haven't broken bud, if the bu- buds are still pink in colour, it's a good time of year to actually treat it with a little bit of insecticide. So yeah. get one of the, the natural insecticide like um, PY, P-Y is one, which is very safe to use on fruit trees and vegetables in, in general. But what it does is it gets rid of any early aphids, any early green fly that are just waiting for those flowers to emerge. And it kind of cleanses the tree before they come into flower. So never spray apple trees or fruiting trees when they're in bloom yeah. because you'll damage beneficial insects but just before the blooms open and we're just at that point now if you give them a light application of pie insecticide that will just remove any any early caterpillars any early aphids and it'll start the trees off in a very clean way the other thing as the listener says is to feed them and again the Osmo Pro 6 would be ideal a a good general fertiliser on apple trees and fruiting trees in general this time of year will just give them that much needed boost that they that they require Mm. and uh, you'll, you'll get lots of fresh growth you get plenty of flower and all we need is the bees after that okay. and hopefully with the week that, that's promised I think there'll be a lot, lot of bee activity as well lots so, of bees are on this yeah, week yeah so it'll really set the whole fruiting period up very very well I think for for heavy crops of fruit this summer I'm telling you the way things are going Porrick I'll be growing <laughs> fruits and vegetables it's and looking all positive sorts. isn't it I tell you mum will be <laughs> delighted with me when I get home she'll, she'll give me this page and me go out to the garden <laughs> yeah, go. Uh, next question I have lots of slugs and snails yeah. uh, in my compass, uh, compost bin Okay. how do I get rid of them well if they're in the compost bin um, I mean do you need to get rid of them what they're yeah. actually doing there it's is benefit well they're, they're helping to break down yeah. some and they will of course be attracted to the uh, to the to the natural materials there I wouldn't bother uh, you could if you want apply some of the slug clear liquid 
uh, around the base of, of the compost area. And so not on the compost, but around the actual general area. But to be honest, uh, slugs in the in the compost bin are a natural thing. They're helping to break down the mm. organic matter They're that's not, there. Should not be a problem. Not at all. No, no. I would focus more in the garden on your tender plants. And in general, when you're controlling slugs, it's not about firing pellets all over the garden. It's about protecting the plants that are most vulnerable. And they tend to be bedding plants at this time of year or vegetable plants or young seed that you may have sown, hostas, plants like that that can be, that need that kind of early protection that first couple of weeks. Mm. Certainly use the slug clear around the base of those plants or, or within the vicinity. Small, little and often is the way to apply them. And um, slugs tend to be nocturnal. So if you're applying any of the treatments, do it in kind of early uh, evening time is the right time you know six seven o'clock in the yeah. evening just before the slugs came out the slug clear is very good the liquid because it's invisible so birds children pets don't see it and so you can mix it with water and you can l- apply it around the pathways or on the grass close to where the plants are that you want to protect don't use it on uh, v- vegetable plants so you don't apply it to the actual vegetables themselves mm. but it can be used on ornamental plants around the base of hostas um, just general areas because it's invisible it's obviously very safe for children for pets but once the slug comes in contact with the liquid it kills it off straight away so okay. I find that quite effective um, and it's really at this time of year that, that people need to be just vigilant with slugs because with the damp weather they are going to be out and they are going to be feeding on young plants um, and you know once they get a couple of nights of damage then that's that plant destroyed yeah. so it's these first the plants are vulnerable for the next three or four weeks and so after that far less vulnerable so spray the spray the plants the, well, the natural plants well well the ornamental plants like hostas yeah. any of the kind of um, shrub, shrubs that you want to protect the slug liquid is very effective on that and you can actually apply it onto the foliage where it's it's fruit or vegetables then I wouldn't use it don't use it directly onto the the plants that you're going to eat. So if you have salad crops or whatever, don't apply the slug clear yeah. liquid onto those. But you can treat the area, you know, directly around them. Say the grass areas or the pathways where the slugs are crossing to get to your vulnerable plants. You can certainly treat those areas and you'll find it very effective. Or there's a very good organic uh, slug pellet available at the moment as well, which again looks tr- like the traditional slug pellet, but it's organic in its ma- nature. So it's non-chemical and very effective. And again, you can apply that very close or right beside vulnerable vegetable plants as well. Okay. So just keep an eye out for the next couple of, of weeks um, with, with slugs. But certainly in this instant where you've got slugs and snails in the compost bin, just leave them alone. Okay. They're right. not going to do, they're doing you a benefit. Yeah, they're more beneficial Absolutely. than anything. They're helping to break down that whole um, organic matter. Okay, um, next question. Can I use the smoke bomb in my uh, greenhouse now that I have it all planted? Uh, or will it have any effect on my tomatoes and lettuce, etc.? No, no, you can you can safely use it. Um, I like to use it, to, to be honest, before I plant up the greenhouse. What it is, just to explain what the smoke bomb is, it's a, it's a, um, insecticide that basically is spread by the vapours of the of the smoke. So you light it, you place it into your greenhouse or tunnel, the vapours then spread into the cracks and crevices and into all areas yeah. throughout the greenhouse. So any of the pests that are lurking uh, in the in the in the uh, in those areas are killed off. Um, you leave it lighting for about two hours, then you ventilate the greenhouse, let all the smoke out and that you're starting with a relatively clean, uh, pest free greenhouse environment. You can light it. If you've got your tomatoes planted and your vegetables planted, then y- yes, you can. There's no problem whatsoever. Um, you know, there's still loads of time. You're not going to be eating those tomatoes until August or September of mm. this year. So there's absolutely no problem using the smoke bomb in an area that you've planted already. 
Okay. Um, I love the taste of, I think I got this right, fennel bulbs. Is yeah, it? fennel, yeah. yeah. Uh, that I buy in my local fruit shop. Now, they Very can good. be expensive. Uh, so, can I grow some myself and where do I plant them? Yeah, fen- fennel is a lovely herb. It actually takes a taste of licorice. Yeah. What's that drink? That is it Perno? That is it? You'd, you'd, be, you'd be more well up on this. I think no. that might be the one. <laughs> yeah. Licorice, so, is that what you're Licorice, that yeah. lovely ri- licorice uh, taste. Uh, that's what fennel tastes like. And you can eat both the foliage, you can eat the, the seed, and you can also eat the bulb. It forms a bulb uh, oh, about the size of a small turnip in size. And that can be harvested in the autumn and, and used raw, or it can mm. be cooked. Um, so to answer the question, fennel plants are available for planting at this time of year. And it actually makes a very decorative plant. It's a quite a uh, ferny foliage plant. So it's quite architectural. It grows about four to five feet in height. Very nice in a shrub bed or a border. So even if you don't yeah. use it as a, as a herb uh, or as a vegetable, you can just admire the foliage of it. It's very so, decorative. Very, very decorative. Yeah. It comes in a bronze form and it comes in, in the green leaf form. Great time to plant them. They're very, very fast growing. So they like a soil that's well enriched with some fertilizer. So put in some uh, general fertilizer before planting the fennel. Uh, But a great time to plant them out of doors. And you'll be using it any time from July, August onwards, the foliage. The seed you'll use from August, September. And the bulb then can be lifted for the autumn period. You can also sow it from seed. So if you get some Thompson & Morgan fennel seed, sow the seed. Those plants will be ready for use some use this autumn but mainly for the following year so Mm. it can be propagated from seed you can purchase plants at the moment and plant them and those plants will give you uh, pickings from June, July, August sort of period onwards so great time to plant fennel and yeah it can be it it can be hard to get first of all in in, uh, fruit and vegetable shops Yeah, and sometimes it can be a bit pricey as well so it's very very easy it loves our climate actually that kind of moist uh, summers we get cool moist summers it really does very well and it's a perennial plant so once you have it in the garden you'll have it for many years as well and it tastes like licorice Exactly like licorice. <laughs> Something I'm going to try now. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, how can, how do I grow the basil herb? I use lots all year, all year round, but I find it hard to keep the plants. Yeah. Uh, I can, I can, I buy. Uh, can I grow myself? Sorry, I should say that one again. How do I grow the basil herb? I use lots all year round, but find it hard to keep the plants I buy. Can I grow myself? Says yeah, I suppose basil is often sold as a as a, a herb in supermarkets. But it's obviously, you know, it, it's it's sown from seed in greenhouses. It's brought up in perfect warm temperatures. And sometimes when you bring it home, it just collapses within a day or two, unfortunately. Mm. But it's actually very easy. It's very easy to sow from seed yourself. So I would I would advise people having a go themselves, um, you know, in, in, in terms of uh, sowing it from the seed themselves because it's so fast growing. It needs to be sown indoors. So get yourself a little tray or pot. And there are many different varieties. A lovely variety called sweet green. It tastes of mint. Um, mm. a very nice flavour that's one called Sweet Green it's in the Thompson Morgan seed family get a packet of seed get a couple of trays of compost sow the seed uh, keep it in a cover with cling film but have the compost moist but not too wet cover it with cling film leave on a windowsill to germinate it'll take about 10 days to 2 weeks and then the basil is ready to use within a month of sowing the seed so it yeah. actually grows very very rapidly I'd keep it indoors because it dislikes our cooler wet summer so it really is a plan for a greenhouse tunnel or to be honest on the kitchen window is the ideal spot for it indoors make regular sowings of the seed so sow some seed today 
but do that again in two weeks time three you know every maybe two mm. to three weeks so a fresh sowing of basil seed and you'll have basil right through the growing season indeed you can have basil all year round if you're growing it indoors yeah. and there's there's some really good varieties um to choose from you know uh, crimson king is another really nice one that's got purplish foliage really dark red foliage very attractive in salads but also has that lovely uh, pesto uh, basil taste so great time to plant them sow them in, in trays or containers keep them in a bright location they'll germinate within a two week period and be ready to use within a month and um, as long as you follow those key tips and 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 think of it as a short term herb it's not something you're going to have for weeks and weeks once you get a couple of cuttings off it you're going to have fresh seed coming on. So dump the the, the, the initial plants, get rid of those mm. and keep the fresh seed because the flavour tends to be better in young basil anyway. You know, the younger the, the, the seedlings are, the okay. more intense the flavour is. So a really good time to plant them. Okay, very good, Porik. Uh, this is our final question before we go to our uh, next ad break. Uh, the listener says they look after a church altar and want to, it's a general question, want to have uh, flowers to cut from June to autumn from their own garden. Okay. And uh, generally, what and when to plant? Well, again, super time to put them in, to put in. And I would go for the cottage garden collection or really for, for church flowers or for cutting flowers in general. You're looking for something that has lots of colour but with a long stem something that's going to give you something to actually mm. physically cut. So plants that come to my mind straight away are, and thinking about, you know, colour from June right through to October, say November sort of period. The sort of plants I would be looking at would be things like lupins, which okay. are would become into flower very, very soon. Dianthus, anything in the carnation family. Bleeding heart, the dicentra we featured on the programme a couple of weeks back. It's got lovely heart-shaped red flowers. It's a perennial. You plant it. It flowers every year. It makes a lovely cut flower. Digitalis, the foxgloves. Dahlias, which the summer dahlias are lovely, particularly the long stem dahlias. You can plant them from bulbs at this time of year yeah. or from plants within a couple of weeks. And they'll flower from July right through to November, giving you lots of colour. Chrysanthemums give great autumn colour. So, you know, if you want colour September, October, that sort of period, put in some chrysanthemums. They really give a great, great show of colour. Penstemon is another really good one. My advice really is go to your local garden centre, ask them for the cottage garden plant range to plant now. Look for stronger plants that were sown from seed this time last year. So they're good and strong to get colour this year. So don't buy small, tiny little plants. Mm. Try to get something that's a bit more established if you want colour this summer. So there's lots there, James, to, to pick from. So, you know, and the the beauty about most of the cottage garden plants is that they'll flower this year, but they'll flower every year after that. Yeah, loads of choice. Loads of choice. And, and look for varieties that are going to flower early, like the lupins, but others that will flower later in the summer, like the dahlias, like the chrysanthemums, um, that are going to bloom, you know, August, September, October sort of period as well. Nearine lilies will be another lovely plant to put in. So there's, there's actually loads out there to put into the garden. I think you've answered this one already. Uh, hi James, ask about growing lupins. I want them as cut flowers this June and July. Should I plant now or later? And what colours are available? Says well there's Helen. a whole there's a whole range of different colours um, available, available at the moment. There's a lovely se- group of them called the West Coast Series, yeah. which is a series or a range of lupins in fantastic colours. A lot of bicolours We've got, say, blue and white or purple and yellow together within the one flower. So look for those. They're the West Coast uh, series of lupins. A really good time to plant them. Now is the time, really. And as long as you get established plants, they will bloom this year. And you'll actually see the flower bud already formed on the ba- right at the base of the lupin. You'll actually see the bud. So look for that. You'll see the small flower embryo mm. beginning to form. So a good time to plant them. You can also sow them from seed at this time of year to flower next year. 
So okay. for those, you know, for people that have the green fingers, want to propagate a couple of their own plants, great time, May, June is the time to sow the seed of lupins for flowering next June, July, August, September. So okay. if you're going to be thinking 12 months ahead, you could yeah. certainly, so I maybe do a bit of both, put in some young, some good strong plants now and sow some seed as well. You can sow the seed directly out of doors into a, you know, an area of the garden or you can sow it in trays indoors to grow on. Okay, all right, Porik, we'll give you a break to have a little, uh, little drink of water for yourself after all that. It's uh, 15 minutes to 10 o'clock now on your gardening show. We're back with loads more right after these. You're very welcome back following the commercial break. Now, straight into the questions, Park. Loads coming in, as usual. Um, now, popular trees, five years old. Uh, the first two years did well. And the past few uh, few years, the leaves are falling off. Yeah, poplar trees. And the poplar is a really, really fast-growing tree. Um, it, after five years, they're probably anything up to 15 or 20 feet now. The last couple of years, poplars have suffered from rust damage in particular, mm. particularly with the wet summers we, we, we get, and we have got for the last three years. Rust will attack poplars. So it's when you turn the leaf over, you'll see the kind of uh, rust dots, like small specks of red, rusty dots on the back of the leaf. Yeah. And that causes the tree to prematurely drop the leaves. So it's a disease of poplars. It's spread by rainfall. So in wet summers, it's just going to be a lot more evident and, and more visible. And the poplars can start dropping the leaves anytime from August onwards. Um, is there a way be, to prevent well, that? Well, there are, there are sprays you can use, but to be honest, with the size of the trees that are there, it's going to be very difficult to apply. They're not going to be effective, I suppose, is what I'm saying, mm-hmm. applying a fungicide to, to, to prevent rust. So what I would actually do is get the, the trees growing well. So if they're vigorous and they're growing well and they're putting on good, uh, soft, strong growth, then, you know, it's like it's like your own immune system. The healthier you are, the more immune you are to to, pe- to diseases. I was going to say pests and diseases, <laughs> <laughs> but diseases. So the same with plants. I mean, the more vigorous they are, the more healthier they are. Per- particularly using high potash feeds is very yeah. good. So I would get a good general fertilizer, one high in potash, like a rose feed or sudden impact would actually be very good to use on the poplars. Apply it now. Apply it in midsummer, and as they're actively gro- growing, you may get a small bit of rust depending on what the summer is going to be like. But it'll all really depend on how wet the summer is. If rust is a problem, you are going to get the dropping of the foliage and really there's little you can do, to be honest, because the trees are just too big to be spraying and trying to treat. So it's more about having them healthy and growing well rather than trying to be applying any um, fungicides or any uh, control disease control methods. Okay. Um, a, li- a listener says, potatoes uh, were set in February in a polytunnel. Right. Stalks are growing too tall and uh, they're wondering, should they cut back? Well, you, you can cut the tr- trim them back if you wish, but I mean, it depends what height they are at the moment. The one the one danger with the with early potatoes like that is that you can get frost damage on them. Yeah. Now, hopefully we're over the, we're getting, we may possibly get grass frost, but which won't be uh, a problem. Well, it won't be a problem in that it won't be uh, damaging enough to get into a polytunnel. But if we did get a late frost, if you saw frost, heavy frost being promised any time during May, you need to cover those plants because potatoes are frost sensitive and can be scorched uh, with late frost. So that that would be more a concern for me, to be honest. Um, Like unless the foliage is above two and a half, three feet, I wouldn't really worry about the, about cutting them back. I would just let them grow naturally. If they're beginning to fall over and, and get, you know, they've gone too tall, then certainly you can tip them back and you get new shoots coming from the base of the potatoes. Uh, but frost would be more a concern for me. And again, funny enough, high potash feeds 
uh, or even putting a little bit of sulphate of potash onto the potatoes helps to slow down the growth. It counteracts kind of night the way nitrogen works. It actually slows down the growth and it makes the stalks a lot more turgid and stronger and less likely to fall over. So the listener could p- apply a little bit of sulphate of potash around the base of, of the uh, potatoes now and that would help to kind of hold them back and mm. and, uh, and make the stem stronger. Uh, but but keep an eye out on the frost as well. And the same applies for listeners that have tomatoes in tunnels. Uh, do keep an eye if, if frost is imminent. It's not promised, certainly, for the rest of this week. And keep them well covered. Cover them with fleece, with garden fleece. Just wrap it around them. You can leave it on for a couple of days and that just keeps any heavy frost off the plants because it'd be a shame to have them damaged um, you know, at this at this stage, and frost can penetrate. Heavy frost will penetrate greenhouses and tunnels. So do keep an well, eye out. Fingers for that. crossed that we don't. Yeah, get we, any we more probably frosting. won't. We probably won't. We generally don't get heavy frost during May, but there are, there is that risk. You can get frost any time up till early June, and uh, potatoes and tomatoes can be scorched by it. Okay, uh, another listener was on to say, uh, what was the name of the wisteria you said would grow in the first year? Amherst. Amherst. Is, it's a particular variety. Um, it's actually an American variety. Um, and when you buy it, the flowers are nearly, you'll probably actually see the flower buds already on the plant. Uh, the trouble with, with, with wisteria is that generally it's sown from seed, it's propagated from seed, and it can take up to 10 years to flower. But that Amherst variety, it's an American variety, um, flowers in its first year. It flowers as a young plant and flower year, flowers every year after that. The The flower buds won't be as long as the, the typical wisteria. So wisteria, I know you're looking at me there with a blank face, wondering well, what is wisteria? Okay. Wisteria produces beautiful foot-long flowers. Uh, they're lilac in colour. Um, it's a climbing plant, so it's used on pergolas, trellises, those sort of areas. Yeah. Beautiful plant when it comes into flower and flowers at this time of year, May, June sort of period. Um, very, very spectacular. But it can be slow to bloom and that amorous variety uh, is just a particular variety that has that flowers as a young plant, as a juvenile plant. So once you plant it, it flowers in its first year and flowers every year after that. It, it's not as vigorous as the common wisteria, nor is the flower as long, but it is a beautiful climbing plant what, as well. What, what colour of a flower is it? It's right? a lilac. It's kind of yeah. like purple. Well, wisteria will come in shades of white, pinks, and blues, but they tend to be that bluey, purpley, purpley colour, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's more a sky blue colour, I suppose, bordering on kind of a purplish colour. Um, beautiful climber, very, very nice um, and, and very easy to grow and a really good vigorous, particularly the common variety is very vigorous. If you had a big pergola or arched cover, it can be quite a nice one. Nice if you mix it with other plants, other climbers, I think, if you put in some clematis or roses to carry the colour through the summer period as well. But just go back, going back to the, the customers or the listeners' question, amorist is the variety you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, another uh, question. I sold green beech trees last year Good, and yeah. more again this year. Now, yeah. I put some uh, stable manure on them recently. Well done, yeah. Would they need any other feed at this no, stage? No, and, and beech, beech is... Normally, I associate beech coming into leaf on this weekend. My beech hedge, it's normally the, the, the May bank holiday, the first leaves start to come through and they're very late this year. They're still very, they're, they're dead looking mm. uh, because they're just, they're two weeks behind, three weeks behind if anything. And uh, I think by the end, by this time next week, we're going to see beech back in leaf again. So don't yeah. get worried. I know people can be a bit anxious thinking, well, surely it's come into leaf. It, it does, it's one of the, it's like ash. It's one of the last trees to come into to leaf and uh, it's normally this weekend, but because of the late season, beach is going to be at least another seven to ten days before it comes. So wait you. two weeks. Yeah, or three and, you, weeks and the listeners put on the organic matter. That's fine. You don't need to feed beach uh, an awful lot. Um, 
to be honest, a granulated feed would be for listeners that haven't fed their beech trees, a good granulated fertilizer, tree and shrub feed or the Osmo Pro 6, something like that would be advisable to put on now because the growth is going to come yeah. very quickly and you'll just help to push it on and give it a nice green colour. Um, so don't worry about it. The one thing, the one tip for beech is do keep an eye out for it. It, it suffers from a white aphid, a small aphid that attacks it in... Um, June, early June, mid-June sort of period. It's a small white aphid on the back of the leaf that sucks the sap out of the beech. And because beech is so slow growing, you don't want that pest damaging the hedge. So do keep an eye out for that, particularly once it comes into leaf. Around the second, third week of June is the time to keep an eye out for it. So as you're passing the beech hedge, just turn the leaf over every now and again. It'll be quite sticky as well. That's an indication. And if you've got that problem, get a small bit of insecticide and just treat the, the hedge because it will retard, it will Pull it, hold it back. Okay, very good, Porik. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Out of time. Out of How time. did you find that? Uh, not first gardening. There you go. Not too bad. I tell you, uh, I, I might, I might come on now. Have I, I encouraged you, inspired you to do anything in the garden over the weekend? Well, I'm interested. Good. Well, I'm that's interested. that's and, half and, the battle. And no doubt now, when I go, when I go back home, Mum is going to give me a spade and say, "Now go outside." outside a list of there. jobs. <laughs> Before we go, can I say uh, just um, for the pink ribbon? We have nine of our, our team from Horkin cycling in the Pink pink Ribbon Challenge today, all down through Ackle. So I just want to say good luck to the guys and uh, I'll see them on the finishing line. Okay. <laughs> Lovely, Porrick. Right. Thanks a million. Okay. Deirdre's back next week, so... Lucas, you'll bring the flowers with you next I week. I will indeed, say. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> okay, Thanks, lovely. Thanks, Thanks a million, Porrick. Okay, there you are. That's Porrick Corkin. Back next week, of course, from nine o'clock, and so is Deirdre as well with the gardening programs. So from me, James King, and all here on the Gardening Show. Have a very good bank holiday weekend. Talk to you again soon. Bye bye.